We have the remedy. But you know, if you have a remedy and you keep it to yourself, it doesn't help anybody. And you say, well, gosh, I'd like to go with these kids, but I'm too old. I got news for you. You're not. My wife and I, I'll tell you how old I was. I'm not going to tell you how old she was. (laughs) But at age 50, we decided that we would go to youth with a mission because I'd seen these youth come back and, and they didn't, I, I didn't really know what it was all about. And they have a section for, they call Crossroads, which is for those 35 and older. And then they have the youth, which is 35 and younger and down to 17, 18. And Mark Brock, who's mother was my secretary when I was the principal of the school in Harrisburg. He was the director at Tyler, where the kids are going. And he said, don't put him in with those old people. He said, now I didn't know about this. He said, he's got way too much energy, way too much going for him. Put him with the, in the DTS school. So Levita and I were in the DTS school. My leader One of them was 18, and the other was 20. Now, I was 50, and I had led outreaches from here. I learned learned obedience in that school. (laughs) Through my wife going, shut up, you're a student. (laughs) Shut up, you're a student. But it was the most awesome time. I was just absolutely blessed and amazed at the energy of our youth, at the vision of our youth, at their willingness to lay their lives down, the willingness to give away rather than collect. It was wonderful. So I want to encourage you guys, if they say, we need somebody to go with us, you will will never regret. My wife and I spent almost a year, I don't know how long, but we were in Haiti this Haiti at that time was the poorest place on earth. Terrible place. But we got to be a remedy. We got to go and we got to see and we got to do and we got to help and we got to bless. 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 5. Such confidence we have through Christ toward God. Now listen to this. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants. Say, I am adequate. adequate. Of a new covenant. Now, if you read the old covenant, it's pretty doggone good. I mean, there was healing, there was provision, there was all these promises. Uh, if If you want to check them out, just go to Deuteronomy chapter 28, read verses 1 through 5, forget the rest of them down to 69. You don't want to mess with those. Those are curses, but the first 13 or 14 verses are awesome. And that is a covenant that God made with his kids through Abraham. I want to bless you in the city, bless you in the country, bless what you touch your hands to, give you fields you didn't plan on. Oh, it's good. But look at this. He said, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant. Now, if a covenant's new, it's got to at least contain all of the old. If it's better, ours is better. Made on better promises. You can read that for yourself in, in uh, Hebrew, Hebrews. 
but said, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In other words, if you're trying to live your life by the law, if you're out witnessing to people and tell them, okay, you got to get this right, this right, this right, this right, this, you're putting them under the law. They can't do it. But the Spirit says, y'all come. Where's Wendy? Stand up, Wendy. Just the chorus. Just the chorus. That's it. See, Jesus paid it all. We are not adequate in ourselves. If I had to go out in my own strength, oh my goodness, I'd create disaster after disaster. Because Red's way or the highway is not the best way. God's way is always perfect. You know, the first, 2 Corinthians 5.20, I want to lay a groundwork. You know, you're you're all, you're not going to escape today. So you're all becoming warriors for the king. So I want you to listen carefully and listen to this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Who's we? Raise your hand if you're a we. Oh, good. We got a whole room full of them. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. So when you're out witnessing to somebody, when you're on the, all of a sudden this voice speaks to you and you say, wow, should I or shouldn't I? Okay. How many times has the devil told you to go get somebody saved? <laughs> has he ever? I don't think so. He's not going to tell you to go over and lay hands on that person. I cleared this with Crystal. Where's Crystal? Crystal is one of the nicest ladies you'll ever meet at the Dairy Queen. She's awesome. She's awesome. A couple, two, three, four years ago, I went into the Dairy Queen, and there was this, I didn't know her at that time. There was this lady behind the counter, and I don't want to say she looked awful, but she looked awful. <laughs> not, not her beauty. She just looked like she was in despair, depressed, uh, sick or something. And I was group of people behind me. I'd that didn't cross my mind. I looked at her and I thought, oh my goodness, this poor lady is in, she's, she's having a terrible day. So I said, honey, are you okay? She said, no. <laughs> I said, well, she, I said, can I pray for you? And she looked around like when people, I just reached across, took her hands, and asked the Lord to bless her, to heal her, to set her free, whatever it is, because she deserved to be free. Amen. What happened, Crystal? I got Amen. <laughs> Next day, I didn't, go in. I didn't go in for two or three days. And she came and said, where you been? I said, well, I didn't want to tell her. I'd been over to the subway and, <laughs> and all that. I said, well, I, I, she said, I just got to know. The moment you prayed for me, I got better and things are going well. Now, I am not adequate in myself. Glory to God. See, they're double whammy. You can't help it. See? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not the only one doing this stuff. But I'm the only one who has this testimony. 
And I believe that, brother. I mean, we do. That's what we're supposed to do. And so when you see someone in despair or distress, you know God's not, that's not God. So we are, put that back up, we're ambassadors. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. In other words, he's using these vessels, these temples, to make his appeal. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So you're not asking them to come to your church. You're not asking them to join your religious group or your Bible study. Your, your, your job as an ambassador is to reconcile them to God. Now, how can they be reconciled to a God that hasn't paid at all? Because they'll have to try. Every one of us has tried to pay something to get our salvation. We try to read our Bible. We try to, we have to, if I have to witness, then that's the payment I make. I'm not adequate in myself. I get to. Because he, in me, appealing to people. He just needs a vessel. So, then it says, this is the part you want to get into your knower. And you should put this on your mirror. And you should write it on your heart. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Total price paid. Jesus paid it all. Took all your sin, did away with it, fulfilled the law so that we can live free. That is good news. Now, you know, people who haven't accepted Christ are still living under the law. They're still trying to do good stuff. They're trying their best. It's not good enough. Jesus paid it all. You know, one of the things that, well, there's another scripture. Let me, let me see if I can get this one. This, I just want you to catch this. Proverbs 11.30. The fruit of righteousness is the tree of life. Now remember, we just said we are the righteous of God in Christ. And he who is wise does what? Win souls. I want this group this congregation, this tribe, to be the wisest group in all the world. Because on our heart, when we see someone, God, do you want to entreat them through me? I'm an ambassador. Now, what does an ambassador do? Only what the head tells them to do. I think I've probably told you this before, but I was praying one day, look, I'm in this world, but you said, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. I don't understand that. How many of you found things you don't understand in the Word? Well, you just keep, just keep letting it go through your, your process, and you will get... So one day I, I said, Lord, I just don't understand that. And he said, he reminded me when I was in Haiti. When I was in Haiti, Haiti is awful. There's as many trees on this platform as there were where we worked. They were just... It was just awful. Smelled bad, the whole thing. A lot of sickness. But in the middle of the city, there was a wrought iron fence, a white building, nice with grass. Didn't fit. Did not fit the scene at all. He said, you remember that? And I said, yes. He said, what was it? And I said, that was the, that was the American embassy. He said, okay. It was 
in Haiti, but it was not of Haiti. Okay? He said, where do you think those people inside that rock fence, if they needed medicine, where did they go? Did they go to the voodoo doctor or what? No, they'd call home. So if they wanted to have a barbecue, did they get one of those old sick cows in Haiti or what? No. They call get the New York State cuts that we pay for, but that's all right. It goes. So he took me through this. He said, they are in Haiti, but they're not of Haiti. Anything they want, all they have to do is call home. He said, Red, your problem, you don't know how to call home. That answered my question. I needed to know how to call home. And he said, if you want to call home, all you have to do is use my name. He even gave us that. Why don't we do it? One of the major reasons is fear. And I'm going to talk today about facing your fear, because the fear is what keeps us from, from witnessing. Because what, what will people think? What will they do? Well, da, 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 da. Or pray for the sick. Well, what if they don't get healed? It'll make God look bad. No, that's an excuse. God doesn't need you to protect his reputation. But I... So I thought about this. I thought, as I was growing up, I faced a lot of, uh, I, I've faced criticism. I've faced, uh, oh, well, my, my parents moved out from Oklahoma when I was eight, so we were the Okies, and treated that way. So, but there was something, I don't know, in me and I, I had to be God. I didn't, but I did not give in to the criticism. I did not. Let, but this bullies, you know, fear. Satan's a bully. How many know Satan's a bully? And a bully always tries to intimidate you. Well, I went to. I was going to school at Lancaster. There was a little school out there. The, I think it's the Church of God down in the corner. But it was a four. Uh, two-room school. I was in the fourth grade. Kenny was in the second grade. This bully was always picking, always hitting us, always pushing us, always shoving on us. Walk, every time we go home, every day, hitting us, picking on us, throwing rocks at us. So I said, Kenny, I got a plan. Okay. Kenny was, we weren't, I had to stand up twice to make a shadow. I was that skinny then. (laughs) But I thought, I've had enough. So I said, Kenny, what we're going to do today, we're going to beat him up. (laughs) Kenny said, what? I said, we're going to beat him up. Well, how are we going to do it? Well, we just happened to have another young man that was with us. He said, I'll help you. So then we had three. Cords of three are hard to, well, we won't go there. <laughs> so, we headed for home. Here he came. So I told him, I'm going to grab his legs. You knock him down. And Kenny, you hit him with your lunch pail. <laughs> that was a doggone good plan. So, here he comes. So, now I want to tell you, your heart's going like this because the bully is big. He's in the eighth grade. Have you ever seen how big an eighth grader is when you're in the fourth grade? They're huge. I don't care if they're this tall. They're eighth graders. They're huge. So I made a run. 
I dove and grabbed his feet. Jimmy Kitterman pushed him, and Kenny got on top of him. We beat the snot out of him. <laughs> Without lunch pail. Bam, 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 bam. Because we're scared to let him go. <laughs> Pretty soon, he's crying. We let him go. Never bothered us again. But I had to face the bully. I'm telling you, the devil is a bully. He's a bully that'll bring sickness on you. He's a bully that'll bring poverty on you. He's a bully that'll tell you that that doesn't work. You better not get this power. If you do, he's going to send you to the Africa as far away. You'll never see your family ever again. That's a lie. He's a bully. So we moved to Harrisburg. I was in the fifth grade. That's before they had the school. Now it was a big three or four story building. <clears throat> My parents were working in the fields. So I went to school and Mr. Houston was the principal. I'll never forget him, his name. And he said, walk me up to my fifth grade class. Now you got to remember, we were discriminated against just because you're Okies. So, took me to the room, Mrs. Long. You can remember things like this. He opened the door, she came to the door, he said, here, she said, why do you always give me all these stinking little Okies? Now, I want to tell you something. I had red hair then. It made me mad. I was only a fifth grader. But you know what I did? I thought, I'm going to become a school teacher. And no little kid will ever have to put up with this kind of stuff ever again. Now, Mrs. Long didn't know that years later I became a school teacher. Mrs. Long was still teaching. My first teaching job was in Harrisburg. And guess whose room I was right beside? Mrs. Long. She would brag on me. Oh, I'm so proud. This is one of my students. I didn't ever tell her, you're one of the reasons I'm here. <laughs> but I tell you, I had to face the bully. Because that, right then, I could have folded up, like they say, like a $2 suitcase. Well, I'm just a little okey. I can never do anything. I can never amount to anything. I can never, I can't, I can't. Well, it made me stronger. So I went on the playground. Now, I'm not telling you this to brag on myself. I'm just telling you, you better face your fear and you better face the bully. The kid said, don't mess with Bobby Lloyd Gilbert. <laughs> I didn't know who Bobby Lloyd Gilbert was. I didn't want to mess with him. And it didn't take me long to find out who he was. I had a ball playing by myself because nobody wanted to play with those Okies. So I was playing by myself. And here came this guy. Took my ball. I said, give me my ball. It's not your ball, it's mine. I said, no, I, I signed it out, it's mine. Let me have the ball. What are you going to do about it? I hit him in the nose so hard. <laughs> Boom! He fell on the ground, bloody nose, crying. He and I were the best of friends after that. <laughs> now, I was little, but I made up my mind I'm not scared of anybody because I don't know why. I know it had to be the Lord. I'm telling you, we can witness 
The only thing keeps is we're afraid of what the enemy will do. I'm challenging you, face your fear. How many of you are feared to witness? Don't be, how many of you are feared to raise your hand because you're afraid to witness? <laughs> face your fear. Go at the enemy. When I got saved, I got saved here. The, uh, this is the only church I've ever been to, by the way, folks, so I'm not a world traveler for churches. But I was the principal of the school in Harrisburg. And when I got saved, I got saved. I was 43. Don't waste your time. Do it early. <laughs> but I made a deal with the Lord. I said, Lord, if you'll give me 43 more years, I'll give you double time to make up the difference. Now, I didn't know what I was saying. I just, I'll, 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 I don't care. Whatever it is you ask me to do. If you'll hold nothing back from me, I'll hold nothing back from you. Well, how many know the Lord's faithful? And sometimes his faithfulness challenging us, ch challenges us. He's been more than faithful to do that for me. I had this old man, this old friend of mine. He was about 81 or 82. He watched the building. He was just as honorary as he could be. In fact, he's so honorary. There was a church on his, that his sole property. He'd go on every Sunday and had a tin roof, hit the rocks up and hit the roof during their service. I mean, he was just an honorary old guy. But I liked him. And he kept the kids off the building for me. He, he reported them. So anyway, he came to my office. I said, Cecil. And I was excited. Now, how many know sometimes our excitement and our zeal gets ahead of our wisdom? <laughs> it can do that. It can do that. But I said, Cecil, i got to share something with you. And he, if, he, if he took the swear words out of his sentence, he would, you wouldn't understand what he was talking about. An old farmer, you know, he just he swore. I said, Cecil, I gave my life to Christ. I need to. He said, he cussed me out so bad. He called me names that I hadn't even heard of. <laughs> out of my office he went. I thought, well, I'll never see Cecil again. About a month later, here he came. I thought, well, the Lord sent him back. I started again. He cussed me out worse this time than the time before. Man, I don't understand this. Lord, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to do what you tell me to do. So, that one more time, I got a third cussing. So, I was on spring vacation, and I was, I'd come over here to see John about something. I don't remember what it was, but I thought, because they were always saying, God spoke to me. God spoke. God said this. God said that. I was getting a little disgusted because he wasn't saying anything to me. And I was trying really hard to get him to talk to me. And these guys weren't even trying hard. He was just speaking to me. And speaking. So on the way home, I said, God, I promised you I'll hold nothing back from you if you'll hold nothing back from me. Why aren't you talking to me? What am I doing? How many of you What am I doing wrong that God's not talking to me? I mean, I had that. And on the way home, I drive my old green pickup, heard this. Go see Cecil. He'll get saved today. I thought, you're trying way too hard. I mean, <laughs> you, you know better than that. That, that can't. So I kept driving. Got a little feather. Go see Cecil. No, that's not God. I know what Cecil said the last time I saw Cecil. Devil just want me to go get a good cussing. 
So I went, a little further, and it was almost like somebody got me by the show, go see Cecil, he'll get saved today. I whipped my pickup around. My heart was beating like crazy. But I thought, well, I don't think the devil really is going to want to tell me he wants him to get saved, so it's got to be God that I don't understand this. So I went to the house, and his wife was about this tall. She opened the door. The first words out of my mouth, I said, I need to see Cecil. She said, why? The first words, Cecil's going to accept Christ today. And I thought, Where in the world did that come from? <laughs> Christ in entreating through me. It wasn't read. I'll guarantee you. Remember that? We set up that Christ as though I'm entreating through you. She said, preachers gave up on him 50 years ago. I'm not a preacher. But I just need to see Cecil. So she took me in the house. Cecil was sitting in his easy chair, legs up, the TV. He saw me coming. Didn't say a word. Clicked the TV off. I said, Cecil, you know why I'm here? Yep. Are you ready? Yep. I took his hands right there, that old bone, gnarly hands, and led him to Jesus right there in his easy chair. Why? God had in, in all this time, he had been hitting old Cecil with something, and Cecil just needed it. Maybe I, I just watered the first time, and just plowed and watered, then I get a harvest. I don't know. But he got saved. The next night, oh, then he said, well, when are you going to baptize me? I didn't say you had anything about having to get baptized. Remember, God entreating through us. He's at work in us doing his good pleasure. So I said, well, tomorrow night, we used to have a Thursday night, we had prayer, men, prayer meetings, uh, men meet here, about 30, 40 of us, we out in the cafeteria, and had the baptistry was in the corner. We baptized him. On the way home, he said, a, a, a swear word, he said, I can't do that anymore. Now, who told him that? I didn't tell him that. You see, guys, we sell the Holy Spirit so short. The Holy Spirit said, I'm just looking for somebody that'll let me work through them. You're not, remember last week, Pastor Tom said, you're not responsible for the results. You're just responsible to be the reporter. The good news. So, about a year, wasn't even a year later, now, I wasn't a pastor at that time. I was still the principal of the school. I was asked to do his funeral. He died. He was one of those 11th hour people. But what was really interesting, and we never know what happens, one day he came and said, Red, can you take me to Brownsville? Sure. I said, why? He said, well, I've got to see my brother. So we got up there. I never met his brother and probably we're from one wall to the other. We pull in the driveway, and the brother was working in the garden. See, I can't remember his name, Charlie, maybe. See, he comes and says, Hey, Charlie, what? Come to see you. What for? Now, they didn't walk together, they were just hollering. I thought, This is really funny. She <laughs> said, This guy's got something he wants to tell you. <laughs> what? He wants to tell you how to receive Christ. I have received Christ. What? <laughs> I have. Well, why didn't you tell me? You wouldn't listen. <laughs> this is going on. And then they ran together and were hugging each other. <laughs> Guys, serving God is fun. It's awesome. It, it's exciting. And I want you guys to know, 
He, Satan wants you to be afraid to tell your story. How do you win them? The word of your testimony and the blood of the Lamb. Your testimony is your testimony. See, I can argue with your theology all I want, but I can't argue with your testimony. You tell, this is what God did for me. You know, I was down at the, uh, you know, I still like to give the devil a punch in the nose. <laughs> He's a bully. You got to punch him. Well, you punch him with the word. Just give him a real jolt. I was down at Eugene at a restaurant. <clears throat> so I don't know who was with me. But I don't know if you know me, but I don't talk much about it. If we don't talk basketball, I'm talking about the Lord. Lord and basketball, they're both not quite synonymous, but <laughs> in my life, basketball's been an important part. I was sitting with these guys, and we were talking about the Word and God and creation and whatever. This guy's sitting, not even with us, he don't know this is. I don't believe any of that garbage. Oh, a bully. Hmm. I heard the Lord said, hit him in the nose. I said, oh, you don't? No, I don't. That's just for those who weak. Oh, really? I said, so you are an intellectual. Oh, you're very smart. Well, yeah. Oh, okay. About that time I heard the Lord say, draw a big circle. So I got a piece of paper. I drew a big circle. He said, now, told me what to say. He said, this is all of the knowledge that's ever been, ever, or ever will be. Th that circle. I said, now you can understand that, can't you? Oh, yes. How much do you know? Draw me your portion. He knew he had had it. You can see the look on his face. He said, well, uh, uh, uh. No, I said, no, come on. You have to know it all because you said you don't believe the stuff we're talking about. So I want you to draw it and then tell me why you don't believe what we're talking about. I said, come on, shush it. Just show me. You know, when you get the bully down, you just, show me, show me, show me. Well, finally he took it and he made a little circle. And so I said, okay, now I said, you are intelligent. So you're telling me that this little circle is all there is? No. I said, what if it's out this, this stuff out here that you don't know that's going to cost you everything? I said, I'm just going to challenge you. You might want to check your philosophy. And I got up and left. <laughs> and I wasn't going to do any good argument, but I'll tell you one thing. I left him with his mouth open. And his nose bleeding because the enemy had just taken a shot. Because you've got, he's got no weapon against the word of God. And it says that he who is wise wins souls. I'm going to tell you guys, we're living in a world of hurting people. We're living in a world that's in denial and living under deception. And as Christians, we have a responsibility that we haven't even taken, we've taken so lightly. Why do you think, you may, I'm not talking that you may be for or against, I'm not saying for or against. Why do you believe the last election went the way it went? It was very close. Over half the Christians stayed home. 
and we complain. Got no complaint. We got what we are. We got what we asked for because we didn't do what we we're supposed to do. God gave us the privilege of voting. Christians, we, we're supposed to be the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. We have the good news. Jesus paid it all. He wants to entreat people through us saying, Jesus paid it all. Would you come and join him? That's it. Evangelism is not hard. It's just telling what Jesus has done for you. You know, he even went so far as to tell us what to do. He said, be doers of the word and not merely hearers. And when I learned that scripture and I had to memorize it, Pastor John was teaching a class over here and on a Wednesday night. And he said, next week, you're going to memorize this scripture, 1 James, I think, 21 through 25. And I want you to all memorize. If you don't have it memorized, I'm going to kick you out of the class. You ever heard of a preacher kicking people out of the class? I thought, well, I don't know if he'll do it or not, but I'm not taking any chances. So I did it. Guess what? Some didn't. Guess what? He kicked them out. If you don't want to obey the word, you don't need to hear me. Be ye doers of the word and not merely hearers. How many of you heard the word? How many of you do the word? If you do the word, you will have the happiest, most contented life. Yes, you're going to run into situations, but then that's when you get to see his glory come. So I want to challenge all of Christ Center. Be doers of the word. You're going to be hearing about evangelism when Pastor Joshua gets back, Pastor Jason gets back. You're going to hear about it. I want you to say, I choose to be a doer of the word. I will be wise. It's my responsibility. There's an old song that says, I'm so thankful you invited me here. But there's an old song, that's the core. I am thankful you invited me here. I'm so thankful you invited me here. Are you thankful someone invited you here? Are you thankful someone told you? Why then keep it to yourself? Challenge yourself. I will share the good news with somebody. They're all around us, and they're looking for it. Wendy. (laughs) Glory to God. Glory to God. Robert, you can come back with us. It's important. We're not giving away something that we purchased. We're giving away something that Jesus has already purchased and made available to each and every one of us. I'm so glad about that. I am so thankful. Now, you kids that are here, I'm not encouraged. Don't do not go punch somebody in the nose. <laughs> Don't do that. Love them. But I wanted to make my point. When Satan is after you, go after him, and I'll guarantee you one thing. This will knock him flat. But why? Because you have received power, ability, and efficiency because, I'm not saying when, because the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you are his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Amen? She's going to sing, Jesus paid it all. If you need prayer, prayer team, servant team, come up. I don't know how many are here. Come on up. 
But if there's an area of your life that you said, I don't, I'm struggling. I know he's paid it, but I need somebody to help me get this thing off. That's what we're for. Also, how many of you remember the commercial a number of years ago? They're selling uh, oil filters. And the guy says, you can pay me now. And then there's no broken down car. You can pay me later. How many of you remember that, that commercial? Well, if it doesn't, he had an air, air, uh, oil filter. And you have many notes, if you don't change the oil filter in your car, sooner or later the motor blows up. So he's saying, pay me now, buy this little, or you'll pay me later. Well, Thursday nights on the first, third, and fifth Thursdays of the month. Say, first, third, fifth Thursday of the month. You can pray him now, or you will pray him later. This is prayer that is, we're, uh, we're, we're praying before things happen so they don't happen. It's intercessory prayer. I invite you all, you guys, in the prayer room, come. It's a wall. Amen? Go ahead, Wendy. Yep. What time? Seven o'clock. Okay, here's another deal. It's seven to eight. Terry, one hour. We're going to be praying about a number of things. If it goes longer than that, you're on your own. You can go the rest of the night. But we're this group, the intercession that the Lord said, tarry with me for one hour. So come prepared. Bring your kids. We, guys, we used to have 30, 40 guys. We had women here praying, praying, praying. You're recipients of a lot of people who prayed a lot of prayers. Let's don't, let's keep it going. These guys are going to come back with great big tr- things to put out there. A new wall of fame of these young kids go for it come on in prayer otherwise have a great week to him my